0: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision Things rather different to the usual and Martin Isles, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby still in a social isolation uh, in his unit in Canberra. Hello Martin, welcome along to 2020
1: G'day Neil, Uh, good to be here, I'm counting down the sleeps, four to go
0: (laughs) I can imagine so, and uh, I wonder whether, you know, how are you handling uh, the situation? Uh, you know, you're isolated, uh, the loneliness an issue for you?
1: Well, I've got plenty of people to call and plenty of work to do, so that's nice. But uh, it is a small space. I don't have a backyard. It's an apartment. So, uh, you know, after a while I was getting frustrated. I was actually getting frustrated over the weekend. But then I had a thought, and I realized that the Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament while he was chained to a block. So uh, I'm not doing half as much good, and I'm not in half as much a difficult circumstance. So I should, you know, it's <laughs> a reminder, I think it was Paul who said, in whatsoever circumstance I am, I have learned in it to be content. So, you know, uh, we've got to take perspective sometimes.
0: I imagine, uh, you know, your exercise regime, I don't know whether you're, a, you know, an exercise freak or anything like that, but how are, you, how are you handling the isolation in that sense of, you know, needing to move around a little when you can't actually get out for a walk or anything like that?
1: Well, you sort of go to custard pretty quickly because you're so stagnant. You're just sitting and and trapped. So I've actually taken to uh, running up and down the fire escape stairs because uh, you're allowed to um, go out into the common areas of the building uh, so long as you don't, you know, waste time, etc., or encounter too many people. And no one's in the fire escape. So uh, I'm running up and down the fire escape stairs to try and keep fit. And uh, it seems to be, well, you know... Let's say my fitness levels
0: aren't what they were. I was pretty exhausted yesterday. Okay, well, you've only got another week or so counting down. Let's get into some of the issues around COVID-19, the government's response. Uh, I note that the Prime Minister uh, fighting very hard not to let the response to COVID-19 deteriorate into a political bun fight. And, uh, of course, there are risks if that does happen. Everyone seems to be or appears to be a little unified right now, but that, can, that situation could change. What are your thoughts on, on uh, how the whole thing is developing, Martin?
1: I thought the Prime Minister was spot on the money. I mean, we've put out some calls for unity as well as ACL on this. He said at the end of his press conference last night um, that uh, somebody asked him a question about uh, a quibble that Labor had with his response, and he said, look, I, just, I don't even want to answer it because I, I just couldn't care about the politics right now, and it's just not helpful. And he just wouldn't wouldn't be drawn. And I think that was wise, because if you get division in leadership, you get division in the community. Uh, and I think that could be a real problem at the moment. A lot of people are criticising um, the, repl- the response of the government. It usually comes in two forms. They either say, well, we think that it's too draconian, you're taking away too many freedoms, and the, the implications are going to be terrible. And then the other side, uh, and certainly the case where I live in Canberra, people are saying we should have been locked down three years ago. You know, <laughs> you know there's, a, there's, a, there's differences of opinion about whether it's too extreme or not extreme enough. Uh, and they tend to divide on political lines. People on the left of centre tend to say it should be more extreme. People on the right of centre tend to claim it should be less extreme. And I think that's just a reflection of people's instincts on being sceptical about government or thinking government can solve most problems. But uh, my view is that what the government has done is within the bandwidth of what's reasonable. It's not outside the ballpark because we know that whatever this virus is, for all the things we don't know about the virus, and there's so many things, and that's part of the problem here, it's very, very unknown. It seems to act differently in different places and all that. But we know that it can cause an all-out disaster of biblical proportions. It can overwhelm the health system. It can bring on the anarchy that goes with that. It can result in big loss of life. We saw it in China. It was pretty harrowing. saw it in Italy. It was pretty harrowing. Probably the same thing's happening in Iran, although it's hard to get visibility on that. And now everyone's saying, well, it looks like New York State and Spain are in real trouble. So, you know, as a responsible leader, you have to look at that and say, we need to protect ourselves from this until we have better data um, on exactly who is affected, how they're affected, etc." And maybe Maybe it's the case that in a few weeks' time they'll come out and say we're actually tailoring our response. We're changing what we're doing because we've got more data. We know more about the disease. The disease no-one knew existed just a few months ago. And I think when that happens, that'll be a good thing. And nobody should hold it against the government if they do pivot in a few weeks. But what they've done so far, I just want to make the point, it's within the realms of what's reasonable. And so I think in order to uh, ensure we get through it, The main thing here is unity, uh, and I think everybody's got to get behind what's going on. Otherwise, we just don't know the risks. This is one of those few moments in which I say, actually, we probably should trust experts a little more than ourselves.
0: We would call for unity, but if this crisis continues on, and for another six months, or maybe even another six months at least... Uh, there is a certain sense isn't there that uh, opposition parties won't be able to help themselves they'll have to try and score political points somewhere along the way so uh, there is this uh, there is this sort of circuit breaker though in the fact that the national cabinet has a mix of the different parties all working together and that seems to be working okay what are your perspectives on that?
1: Well, yeah, I think Anthony Albanese was upset at first that he wasn't in the National Cabinet, and the answer to that was, well, you're not actually an elected leader of you know, the, the, the country or a state, so you know it makes sense. And, and the other side of that is what you said, Neil, which is that you actually have ALP representation in the National Cabinet uh, quite a bit. So you've got Western Australia, you have Victoria, Daniel Andrews, one of the major figures, uh, you've got Queensland, you, you have Labour representation in that Cabinet already. It's a cross-party thing. So I think that's a good thing. Uh, And the other thing that's correct is I I am a little concerned about what will happen if this goes on for a little while. I mean, if, let's say, in a month's time, we've got a lot more data, which they're actually getting out of Iceland, interestingly. They've got a tiny population in Iceland. They're testing everyone and getting the best data. Uh, And they get lots of data, and they say, actually, lockdown's the only way to deal with this. We have no other way. Uh, I worry about, in a month, the divisions that could come. And so I think that's why it's important at the moment for some people to be putting out the call just to remind us that unity is important at the moment. I think the reason I say this is because I don't see this as primarily a political issue. It just isn't. It's primarily a health crisis. Uh, and we're in a realm now where we're actually relying on a lot of experts, a lot of people to make the right judgment. And uh, that's not a political question, actually. It is just a response to reality. Uh, and we have to go along with that. And if there was a better way Someone somewhere in the Western world would have come up with it because uh, if you're the leader that makes that call, this is actually, we don't need to lock down. We can open everything up and go about our lives as usual and you win. There's a huge payoff for that. I mean, talk about getting reelected, being the the leader that, you know, picked the moment. If, If you're Donald Trump, if you're Boris Johnson, if you're Scott Morrison, you would want to be that person, but nobody's going down that path just yet. And that shows me that the experts and the data is telling us that we need to be cautious.
0: Martin, uh, this could go on, as we say, uh, months and uh, significant issues here. We're expectant that our political leaders are taking things very seriously, and it appears that that is the case. It appears that everybody's taking this seriously. I wonder whether you've got a thought or two for the Christian community and the call to prayer, because one of the things that we would do as a Christian community would be to take this seriously seriously, not only in our regular civic responsibilities and in leadership roles within the business community, but also uh, this call to prayer. What are your thoughts on Christians and prayer and uh, the evening uh, 1,900 hours uh, prayer with families each night? What are your thoughts here?
1: I think this is the most important thing. Uh, I I was actually reading Amos the other day, which is an unusual place in the Bible to be reading, and there was just an interesting verse there where it says, in fact, the whole book is interesting in light of the current circumstances, and it says, this disaster comes to a city unless the Lord has done it?" Uh, and in that case, He was talking about the fact that God had brought hardships uh, in order to turn the people back to Him and turn their minds to Him. And you know, if there's a silver lining in this, it would be that you know, if the crisis is to come and to stay for a while, that people's hearts would be returned to the Lord, and that people would, uh, in even in in difficult circumstances, which is so often the way people work, uh, you know, call on the name of God and. Uh, I think we should pray for that as much as we should pray for um, the fact that the disaster might go away, uh, that also God's work would be done. And uh, that's so important. And I also think, I think people can sometimes feel like it's fruitless. But let me tell you a little story about uh, the situation of the last few months, which a lot of people, I think, have not noticed. And that is that it was not long ago that we had bushfires right across the country. It's not long ago that particularly in New South Wales and Victoria not long ago, that we had a uh, drought that was unquenchable, and all the rest of it. And it was a really serious situation, and the Bureau of Meteorology came out in December and said we're not going to have any significant rain, any significant rain until at least May, perhaps longer. And this summer is going to be, you know, super, super dry and really unrelenting. Uh, well, you know, during the month of February, um, every single bushfire was extinguished or brought under control by the 13th. And I've done some numbers. And in New South Wales, you had a 104% above average rainfall figure for the month of February. Uh, You had 59 places where they had their highest daily figure for February ever on record, 67 places where they had their highest February total rainfall figure ever on record. Uh, Some of those records stood, I mean, about a dozen of them stood for over 130 years. Uh, and you had 67, 91 locations that had their highest February rainfall in 20 years. And that's repeated in Victoria, in Western Australia, in Queensland. You've got 50 records in Western Australia. Uh, you have 65% above average rainfall across Victoria. And all the fire fields got rain, including even Kangaroo Island in South Australia, which had very much above average rainfall for February. And I just did the numbers and looked at the map and I thought, this is astounding because nobody predicted it. Nobody thought it was going to happen. There was talk of these fires raging on for many, many months. The only thing I can put my finger on around January, February was that Christian people across this nation were praying in unprecedented numbers. And there were sort of prayer networks and there were prayer online meetings and there were prayer in-person meetings and there were people putting out calls to pray. And I just think that, you know, we can be those who cry out to God for mercy and we need to give thanks when the mercy comes. And uh, this is why I say, look, if you pray at this time, much good can happen. And I don't know what God's plan is through it, but we pray that His plan will be done, and maybe it is to remove the virus, maybe it is to turn people's hearts to him, I don't know. But uh, goodness me, the power of prayer, we've seen it already this year, we can see it again.
0: Interestingly, how significant prayer is as a part of the very fabric of our nation, and uh, I know that uh, many of our listeners will be aware that our Parliament, in the House of Representatives and in the Senate, they do, in fact, commence each day with prayer. It is significant, we would know, we're not naive, that many of those who are in the Parliament uh, are not taking that very seriously, no doubt very flippant about it all, but, but the Speaker of the House and the President of the Senate, they lead a prayer every day when the Parliament is sitting, Martin.
1: They do, and uh, I was surprised a lot of people weren't aware of this. I posted a photograph on my social media of uh, uh, the House of Representatives in morning prayers with all of the MPs that want to attend, and there's quite a few that day, and I imagine that's because of the crisis. We're standing around, uh, socially distancing, of course, and the Prime Minister was there as well. And that's what, how every day begins there is prayer. There's the Lord's Prayer, and there is another prayer that is Uh, stated by the uh, person presiding, asking God to bless the Parliament and give them strength and wisdom. Uh, And all those MPs and senators that want to go at nine in the morning do go, and it's a daily ritual. Um, And that does happen. I think it's a great thing. And the Prime Minister said in his speech the other day to Parliament, he said, I encourage all Australians of faith to pray. And he said, my prayer needs to beginning a good workout. And he was there that very morning uh, for the parliamentary prayer. So... You know, we do have these things going on, and a lot of people say we shouldn't pray because you don't want non-Christians to be praying to a God they don't believe in. Well, the non-Christians that don't believe in God are not in the chamber. The people who attend those prayers are the MPs and senators that want to. Uh, And so I think it's a fantastic rhythm to have in the political life of our nation. Uh, And uh, I have no doubt that uh, Australia stands as a relatively blessed country uh, on the back of many prayers as much as... Uh, you know human efforts I think it's God's doing.
0: And at a time when there is national crisis uh, there is a call for each of us to be more attentive to the routine of our prayer and the content of our prayer too uh, given that we'd call on God for a turnaround. Uh, Martin Isles. there's lots and lots of issues Uh, we've run out of time today but uh, just want to point people to the Australian Christian Lobby website acl.org.au that's acl.org.au There's uh, lots of uh, issues and initiatives that people can be a part of. Uh, things that we talk about each week but uh certainly uh, for those listeners who are particularly interested to be a part of some of the initiatives that are being planned over the times ahead and uh, those things will come to pass and those things will uh, come about uh, no matter what sort of circumstances we get into so far as the health crisis goes. But acl.org.au, Martin Niles, Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, thanks so much for taking some time to update us today on 2020.
1: Thank you again, Neil.